ITL Fantasy Podcast Network presents In a World of Football Podcasts that sounds like this. Welcome into our podcast on Suck Talk Radio. And talk like this. Wah, 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 wah. Don't draft a running back. Wah, wah. Because they're not. So much fun. Bogman, let's not overreact here. The In This League Fantasy Football Podcast. Featuring Bugman. Oh, he's on tilt. He's full tilt. He has no idea where he's going. I think I'd rather shit my pants in public, to be honest with and you. And the Welsh. I think that, you know, they would have like uh, <laughs> like what they did to their real doll the night before. <laughs> oh, no, I'm dying. Playing on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. I've never like LARPed or anything like that. What the f*** is a LARP? Coming to your ears. This is the In This League Fantasy Football Podcast. Scott Bogman, Chris Welsh. It's in this league. Week one is in the books for the most part. We've got a ton to get into this show. We've got waivers. We've got your questions. We've got all the news. But first, we've got week one in review. The Rams at the Carolina Panthers, and the Rams pulled it out 30-27. to Christian McCaffrey was a running back to talk about, though there were other running backs of note. Christian McCaffrey, 19 carries, 128 yards with two touchdowns. He wasn't done, though. 10 catches, 81 yards. Running back one for life. Todd Gurley, though, a little bit of a problem. 14 carries, 97 yards of bulk that happened in the second half and vultured on multiple touchdowns because Malcolm Brown, 11 carries, 53 yards, and two scores. What in the hell? Uh, Robert Woods, 12 targets, 8 catches, 70 yards. Cooper Cup had 10 targets with 7 catches, 56 yards. Brandon Cooks was the one that was out of that rotation. And DJ Moore got his 10 targets, 7 catches, 76 yards in the Rams' 30-27 to win. Uh, the factory of sadness is back open in Cleveland as they lose by 30. 43-13 to Tennessee. Marcus Mariota, 14-24, 248 and 3 touchdowns. Enjoy that while it lasts. Uh, Derrick Henry, 84 yards in a score on 19 carries, but he also had one catch for 75 and touchdown. No one wanted to tackle him. It looked like that Thursday night game. A.J. Brown, rookie wide receiver impressed, three catches for 100. Nick Chubb, 16 for 74 and three targets, or four targets, three catches and 10 yards, but uh, got vultured by Hilliard on the one rushing touchdown the Browns had. OBJ in his $350,000 watch, at 11 targets, 7 catches, and 71 yards. And Jarvis Landry, 7 targets, but only 4 catches for 67 yards. And Baker Mayfield looked like a disaster. 3 picks, not good. The Kansas City Chiefs, they beat the Jags 40-26. to Patrick Mahomes was right back at it, completing 25 passes for just under 400 yards. He had 3 touchdowns. But who cares because Sammy Watkins with 198 yards and three touchdowns. Travis Kelsey had a little bit of a forgettable game. Eight targets, only three catches on 88 yards and a no-look pass by Mahomes that went about 30 feet above Kelsey when he was wide open. Um, Nick Foles got hurt. We'll talk about that. So Minshew, is that how we say his name? Minshew? Yep. Yep. Gardner Minshew. Minshew. There you go. Uh, 275 yards and two scores. DJ Chark. Four catches, 146 yards and a touchdown. 
touchdown. Chris Conley had 97 and a score. Diddy Westbrook, the lowly guy, but he did have a score with five catches, 30 yards. Kansas City wins by 14. Lamar Jackson can throw, and he proved it against Miami in a 59-10 win over the Dolphins on the road. 17 of 20, 324 yards, and five touchdowns for Lamar Jackson in that game. Uh, Mark Ingram, 14 rushes for 107 and two scores. Hollywood Brown, four catches, 147 and two on five targets. Uh, Mark Andrews saving me in a ton of leagues, the Welsh. Mm-hmm. Eight of eight on the targets, 108 and a score. Uh, Devontae Parker, seven uh, catches for 75. And Preston Williams caught the one lonely Dolphins touchdown on uh, five targets, three catches, 24 yards, and the score. Falcon fans are hurting on Monday morning because they got bounced by the Minnesota Vikings, 28 to 12. Matt Ryan had 300 yards, but he had two scores and two picks. Hooper, nine catches, 77 yards. Ridley had four catches for 64 and a score. No Julio Jones to talk about here. Dalvin Cook, he was fantastic. 21 carries for two touchdowns and 111 yards. And Mr. Adam Thielen had a touchdown, but I think the targets were minimalized in the second half. Only three catches for 43 yards, but he had the score. Minnesota wins 28-12. Call it a comeback in New York as Buffalo comes back. 17-16 over the Jets late. Uh, Devin Singletary didn't get in until the second half, but four carries for 70 yards, six targets, five catches, 28 yards, so 98 total yards only, uh, six touches, nine touches, somewhere in that neighborhood. John Brown, uh, 10 uh, targets, seven catches, 123, and one looks like he's a number one in Buffalo. Le'Veon Bell with a lot of touches. He had 23, uh, 92 yards. He did get in the end zone. Jameson Crowder, 17 targets. 14 catches and only 99 yards as the Jets choke away this one to Buffalo. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Washington Redskins 32-27. to Case Keenum was pretty fantastic. 380 yards and three touchdowns. Terry McLaurin, five catches, 125 yards and a score. Looked pretty, pretty good, but things are a little bit of a concern in Washington, which we will talk about here shortly. Carson Wentz, 313 yards of three scores. And Deshaun Jackson, eight catches, 154 yards and two touchdowns. Billy wins by five against Washington. The Chargers uh, ha- let the Colts come all the way back and tie it late in the fourth quarter and then just decide to win it on the first drive. In overtime with a 30-24 to 24 win over the Colts, Marlon Mack with a ton of carries, 25 for 174 and one. T.Y. Hilton looked normal, nine targets, eight catches, 87 and two. Rivers had to throw for 333 and three touchdowns. Eckler had uh, a ton of yards here, 96 receiving with two scores, 58 rushing with a score, and Keenan Allen, nine targets, eight catches, 123 and one, and Mike Williams left a little bit gimpy. The Seattle Seahawks beat the, barely beat the Bengals, 21 to 20. Andy Dalton had 400 yards and two scores, all to John Ross, it seemed like. 12 targets, seven catches, 158 and two. Chris Carson had just under 50 yards rushing with a touchdown, but he had six catches for 35 yards and another score, and DK Metcalf was the go-to receiver. Six targets, four catches, 89 yards. Seattle, 21, Cincinnati, 20. Uh, tie game in Arizona. Uh, a horrible, horrible attempt to call a timeout for Detroit. Uh, let the Cardinals back in on this one. 27-27. The game ends in a tie. Stafford, 285-3. and three. Hawkinson with the most yards for a tight end in his debut ever with six catches for 131 and a score. Danny Amendola looking like a go-to for Matt Stafford early. 13 targets. Seven catches, 104 and one. Kyler Murray was a tale of two halves here because he looked god awful in the first half. 
found his rhythm in the second half, started throwing the fits. Uh, 29 completions on 53 attempts, 308 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, DJ, 82 on the ground, 55 through the air, and a receiving touchdown. And Fitzgerald, who who said he's dead, come on, Sealy, 13 targets, eight catches, 113, and a score. My San Francisco 49ers, they pulled off the win and would have been a great streaming option that no one probably played this week because they had two defensive scores. George Kittle had uh, 10 targets for eight catches, 54 yards. Uh, For the 49ers, there was really not that much else offensively to speak of. So you go over to the Bucs, there wasn't that much there either. But Ronald Jones had 75 yards on 13 carries. He had one catch for 18 yards. And Chris Godwin got a score late. Six targets, three catches, 51 yards. 49ers win 31-17. to My Steelers did not pull off the win, losing by 30 to the Patriots on the road. The only guy to speak of with any type of respectable stat line for Pittsburgh was Juju Smith-Schuster. Had eight targets, six catches for 78 yards, most of it in garbage time, and he hurt his toe, so that's fantastic. Uh, For Brady, it was 24 of 36, 341, and three scores. Dorsett caught two of them, four for 92 and two. Edelman had 11 for uh, 11 targets, six catches, 83, and Josh Gordon got in the end zone. Uh, Four targets, three catches, 73, and a score. Final one here, and uh, we did it so Bogman could do the Steelers and I could do the Niners. The Dallas Cowboys beat the Giants 35-17. to Eli with 300 and a score. Barkley had 11 carries for 120 yards, and he had a couple other catches, four for 19. Evan Ingram highly targeted 14 times, 11 catches, 116 and a score. But Cowboys, they did the work. Dak Prescott, 400 yards with four touchdowns. Zeke did get a score, but only 13 carries at 53 yards. Michael Gallup was solid, 7 for 158. And Amari Cooper, 6 for 106. And a touchdown. And friendos, that is your week one in quick review. Welcome in to the In This League Fantasy Football Podcast. That was a nice little little change we decided to do this year so we could just get through all of it, get you the notes. Hopefully you guys dug that. I am Chris Welsh. That is Scott Bogman. You can find me on Twitter at Is It The Welsh? Him at Bogman Sports. And of course, you can find us over at patreon.com slash ITL Army, where it was popping, popping this weekend. But we'll tell you all about that. But let's jump right in. It is time for some week one reactions. And Antonio Brown to the Patriots. I almost, Boggs, almost asked us to do an emergency podcast. Had Antonio Brown been cut by the Steelers and went to the Patriots, I probably would have, but there was one little balance in there. We almost, almost did an emergency podcast, but we thought we would save it here. In what is one of the most ridiculous and wild situations that I can recall, Antonio Brown, I mean, he orchestrated his cut. We all knew that. We're not going to be stupid here. He orchestrated this. And the Patriots, by the way, an insanely crazy incentivized contract that I'm sure got locked down in like, you know, two hours. I'm sure two hours they were able to get all of the crazy incentives locked down. Um, he joins the Patriots, and the only thing I can think of was Bogman was doing updates over on Saturday for the Fantasy Sports Radio Network for college football. Bogman was very active in our group me room. So if you guys want to come have fun, you want to, you know, check stuff out, talk with listeners, you get a lot of Bogman on Saturday. It was He was all over the place, as well as Sunday. Your reaction when Antonio Brown, when you saw Antonio Brown was the Steeler, <laughs> was words we can't say on the podcast without bleeping. You were having none of it that it was real, but it's real, Jack. Yeah. Uh, can I give the Ben Roethlisberger answer? Did you see what he said when they asked him about it? <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I want to. I want to see if I can pull it up here. When he, it, it's in, it's incredible. Let's see. Um, all right. Here's here's Ben Roethlisberger being asked. What are your thoughts on Antonio Brown joining those guys? 
Ben, your thoughts on Antonio Brown joining these guys now? Whatever. <laughs> I think you should have a shirt. RotoWare should go in and somehow figure out a shirt that just says whatever. It should be, oh, a Ben Roethlisberger jersey with whatever on it. Can we do that? <laughs> number seven, and it says whatever. Whatever. I like that. Why? Yeah. I was about to call him number eight. I don't know why I was about to do that. So, yeah, I mean, you you didn't believe it. You were in shock. I think we're all a little bit in shock because it's like, give me an effing break, dude. It's like, just so obvious tampering, you know, and it's, uh, oh, LOL, it's what the Patriots do. I mean, it's just so clearly tampering. Like, you know, and it's uh, his agent, Rosenhaus, calling up, and saying, hey, looks like A.B. could get released. Would you guys have interest? And they say, yes. Rosenhaus gets that back to Antonio Brown, and then Antonio Brown goes crazy on the social media stuff, and then they eventually cut him. So it's just so obvious uh, stuff. I mean, look, I'm not saying that other teams haven't done this or won't do this in the future. It's just stupid. And, and it was dumb uh, that you had the team that's been – like. All the stupid things were put together where you had, you know, the Patriots who film and do that stuff. And then you had Antonio Brown, who was getting a lot of flack because, you know, he did a hyped up promo video where he used John Gruden's voice being like, can you just stop with the bowl and just start playing? And then you see the video after where he gets the news and he's running around his house all excited. And there's all this like there's this conspiracy orchestrated stuff. Antonio Brown, you this is the other one that I really hated, but and it makes me hate him even more. Is that like he went to he had like a social media company find out how to move for like how to use social media to get his release moving forward. And they created these hype videos using clips and doing all this stuff, and then you get the the checks, you know, the fines and stuff. Like he used a, literally just a company to figure out how he can get his release from the NFL. It's dirty and it's gross. And you know what? He's perfect on the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've talked about his weird antics and people call him a genius. And uh, I, I don't think that this was the plan the entire time. Not right? the entire I don't time, think but that, for a couple of weeks. Yeah. I No, I don't even think the couple of weeks. I think the last couple of days. I think uh, when he... Here's what I'll say is bad. If he went in and threatened Mayock and all that stuff, thinking that he could get released and go to the Patriots, that I have a problem with. If it came after that, then I don't really have a problem okay. with it. It's just, well, why would you be Why would you be surprised that a guy wants to go from Oakland to New England? It's not that shocking, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I got it. I got uh, you. What, what about we'll find out eventually, but I'm just I'm sick of Antonio Brown. I'm tired sure. of Well, it. let's talk about the fantasy perspective here because he goes into, um, obviously, an incredible situation for a team that can feature him, the best quarterback, most accurate. I mean, getting Brady in there, it's phenomenal. But there's a lot of weapons in there, and I don't think... I don't think this is enough to kill anybody on this team where they just massively drop tiers. Like, Edelman almost seems Edelman-ish proof. Though I would say, like, I was really, really aggressive in wanting to draft him. Had I, you know, was I walking into a draft right now? I might drop him down just a a notch because of the amount of um, targets that are out there, the mouths to feed, if you will. But, like, he's fine. I think Antonio Brown, for the most part, is fine. Though I do think some of that, like, High, high end upside is dead a little bit. Like he's going to have huge games and he'll still be probably a low end wide receiver one. But I, I still hold to like everything I said in the preseason where I would rather have guys like, you know, Tyree Kill and Juju Smith Schuster over him. Josh Gordon is probably the guy that maybe takes the biggest hit in theory, where 
if you viewed him as like maybe a high-end wide receiver two, maybe he moves to a wide receiver three, but just none of these things are enough to move off of him. And probably the only advantage you would have out there, Boggs, I know you feel a little bit different about Antonio Brown, but the advantage you might have is people seeing what I view as the Patriots creating the wide receiver version of what they do with running backs. They now just have so many mouths to feed. Where do you go that you might actually be able to go out and get a cheaper cost on Antonio Brown or Edelman or Josh Gordon at this point? And would you go do that right now? I mean, I would, you know, I had a B ahead of Juju ahead of Tyreek and a bunch of guys uh, going into the season. And it's just because I've watched him for so long. I know how good he is. And, you know, you take him off of a team with Derek Carr and you put him on a team with Tom Brady. I just don't know how his value goes down. I mean, maybe a couple weeks of adjustment, but uh, Tom Brady knows what to do. You know, he already he told AB to come stay at his house That's until he gets settled. What is in with Boston. this, by the way? What what is with why are football players treating each other like they're seventeen years old? Like, hey, you need you need to stay on the couch? No. Odell Beckham had a $300,000 watch he was on the field with. Antonio Brown... I mean, Antonio Brown took a private plane to Foxborough. Seriously. So I, I think I think he can rent out a suite at a hotel. Yeah, can he go to a Marriott? Uh, well, I, I think that... I think what Tom Brady wants is he wants it to be like everyone is 16 years old and they're playing high school football and it's fun and you have the camaraderie and all that stuff. I think that's what he wants out of football. I don't want and my I own think family men, staying at my house. I don't want I, anybody I don't, staying I know, at my house. I don't think grown men most of the time want that, and that's what Tom Brady wants. What do you is, think he's uh, like being a roommate? Can you imagine being a roommate with Antonio Brown? Like, hey, Antonio, what's going on? Oh, just scraping my ugly well, ass not, feet, trying to figure not, out how to get not, released. Not a roommate just with Antonio Brown. You're a roommate with his uh, his kids, which, of course, he's a grown man. He has to take care of his children. And you're roommates with the 17 social media idiots <laughs> that are following him around with cameras. So uh, it's not just Antonio Brown coming into your life. So uh, no thank you. No. It, it's uh, a weird situation. He, it, the contract is really incentive-based. I do find it interesting. There's about... I believe it's about $4.5 million tied to some really lofty statistical goals, which I wonder if... You know, because the contract I think he signed was like five million. There's about nine million in bonuses, five now, four later, and about four and a half in incentives. I wonder what happens in the back year if the incentives aren't met. But either way, the Antonio Brown people who I mean, just what a up and down ride you had. You can walk away okay. You can walk away that he's in a good spot. I don't know if he's gonna be, you know, thir- I don't think he'll be thirteen con- consistent targets every single week even with the Raiders and garbage as they would have been they just would be flinging the ball at him it would have been like OBJ when he was with the Giants and they were horrible you're just going to throw the ball 14 times at him that's not going to be the case the only difference is in New England there is a chance that he doesn't need 14 targets because they're so good he can have seven targets and he can maximize every ounce of them and he can be a wide receiver one so um, decent decent time if you have him or if you want to go by it might be okay with him I will say this, though. Antonio Brown looked like he was having a really bad week. There is no person on the planet that I can think of that had a worse week than Bogman without a major problem in the world. Let me preface that because there's plenty of bad stuff. Without any deaths or any horrible job losses, you just take standards of, like, you know, the stupid crap we think about. Nobody had a worse weekend than Bogman on multiple fronts here. I'll start with Sammy Watkins is the mother effing truth. Truth, and I had two shares of him. Started him in both, and it just so happened that uh, I started him against Bogman. Bogman, I want you to lay out all the things 
that you are walking into Monday with and why your weekend was bad from that one specific league we want to talk about to Antonio Brown to just just set the stage. Longhorns lose at home against LSU. And uh, that's really gone. uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, they can get to the playoffs, but so much other little crap has to happen. It's just it's too much to hope for. Like if it happens, great. It wouldn't be a miracle or anything, but it would be against statistics. It's over. Uh, it was over before but, the season yeah. started, but now like you've come to terms with it. No, no, it wasn't over before. They, they didn't get crushed by LSU. Come on, they, feed, they, they feed, lost. Feed me LSU. the bad. I need more. Stop of the bad. it. Mm. Uh, well, here's the bad. Uh, oh, and six in my college fantasy football teams. Good. Not one win week one. I was five and one week one. Owen sits six week two. Uh, so just uh, nothing. Me. Um, <laughs> then um, <laughs> I have uh, I'm going to win like maybe three or four of my 15 foot regular NFL leagues. And the Steelers got beat by well, 30. Who, who are you going to lose in three leagues to? Yeah, to, to the Welsh. Uh, me. You know, unless if Philip Lindsay goes out and has a 200 yard rushing game, it, like if he has uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey's game, I, I can beat. You, I also have a player in that game, way. though. Yeah, but but I also we both have a defender and I have a defender okay. too. So let's say they right, wash so, each other out. But if it, Philip Lindsay has a Christian McCaffrey game, I can come back. In and beat theory, you, but that's not happening. I'm beating you in three leagues, two of yep. which are IDPs, and one league yep. I had Sammy Watkins and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Great, <laughs> congratulations, you win. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then the Steelers lost by 30 to the stupid uh, Patriots, and uh, the Steelers' best player, Antonio Brown, signed with the Patriots after being traded to the Raiders. Here's so, the one, though. Uh, fantastic, great weekend. I feel for Bogman. He texts me something, and I was like, well, you're just being dramatic. And I went and looked, and, and, I, and I feel bad because I started laughing because I didn't believe it. Bogman said to me, the only thing that will top this off is if the Steelers lose to the Patriots, and I get knocked out in the guillotine in week one. And Bogman is going into Monday night, second to last place. He has Camara. He's up by about 40 points, but the guy behind him has like seven guys. So Bogman well, might he, get knocked but, in but guillotine. But I, I found a... I found out something else, too. So, okay. So, Big Mac has 38 points, right? Yeah. He started just an atrocious lineup here. It's bad. Corey Davis, a donut. Uh, you know, uh, Daryl Henderson, he had to flex in donut from him. Uh, but he's got Watson, Lindsey, Michael Thomas, and Darren Waller. So, and I'm up 36 points, and I've got Alvin Kamara. But what I didn't realize when I sent you that is that uh, our guy – uh, Matt C is done at 81 points. So I have well, 72. He has 89. I'm looking at it right now. Matt C? Yeah. Brent has 80. Brent has 80 points. So Brent it actually is more of a concern than you. Actually, okay, good point, Boggs, now well, that I'm Brent, seeing Brent this. Brent has players left, though. Oh, he does? Matt C doesn't, and he's got 81.9 points. Uh, where are you seeing 89? I'm on the league page. Maybe it's projected. Maybe they're showing projected or something like that. I'm looking yeah, the, I, at the league page, think, and he has I'm looking 80. at standings. Uh, I'm looking at standings. Yeah, well, yeah mine sta- on the homepage. Okay, no, you're looking at well, standings on the homepage. Uh, oh, you're right. Okay, yep, I don't I'm know. Right. Okay, you're right. It, well, I, I'm telling you, I was just looking. I was at offensive points. That's what was happening, and he had 81.9 offensive points. So he is, he's got 89 points. Yes, you're right. Congratulations. Have your medal uh 89.9 <laughs> points he has and he's done so if Camara scores me uh 16 points i don't get a good point okay so okay you're looking at the upside upside yeah, bogman yeah the upside after everything is down 
uh, yeah, one upside thing. Uh, I mean, I hope week. I get it. Yeah, I hope I, I don't want to be eliminated week one, so I hope I get it, but we'll I, see. You, I feel like you should have got a care package like I got from CBS. That would make you feel better, like a big old box yeah, of meat or something. Or a job from CBS would have been nice, too. Anything. So. You just needed something this week. It was a rough week for Bogman, um, but you'll recover. You'll be fine. The Steelers will... I mean, look, where else is there to go but up? Yeah, so that's true. Well, this is, you know, I'm sure some, uh, you know, my car will break down or one of my cats will get sick next week or something to make it even worse. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, there's nowhere to go but up. All so, right. Well, we'll week see. one reactions. Let's get in since we got through the game. Sammy freaking Watkins was a big one that jumped out to me. We already talked about him, but nine catches, 198 yards, three touchdowns. I happen to have two shares of him all in the starting lineup because a lot of people did not have him in the lineup. And what's probably most important about that now is not only did he have that huge game, but Tyreek Hill is injured and looks like he's going to miss, I don't know if I want to use the word significant, but he's going to miss time. And that's going to make Sammy Watkins be the number one option with the number one quarterback on the number one offense. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's smooth sailing while he's healthy. So yeah. let's go. And he helped me. Beat you. Uh, the other guy that helped me, though, I it, it's a twofold thing. Lamar effing Jackson was phenomenal. Not bad for a running back, as he would say. He ended up having five touchdowns. And dude, we just did the prediction show, and I was like, oh yeah, I think I'm going to pick Lamar Jackson. He's going to have like a five touchdown game sometime this week. I didn't get the exact touchdowns right because I said three passing and two rushing, but I said five touchdowns, and he did it in week one. He looked incredible. I mean, the that one just like teardrop just flicked he didn't even like throw it didn't even look like he threw it overhand he just flicked the wrist threw it 40 yards Marquise Brown caught it in the air and was absolutely gone he was 17 for 20 super efficient part of it's about the dolphins and how bad they are i would but i would say 70% is actually the maturation of this guy he looked great five touchdowns and you know i mean egg on our face of laughing where the guy was like, oh, Lamar Jackson could be the number one quarterback past Mahomes. I still think it's a bit dramatic, but Lamar Jackson is going to be a huge payoff for people. I got him in a couple late leagues because I waited on quarterback, and I'm super encouraged that he could put up a game like this without running at all. Lamar Jackson is the mother effing truth. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of people said that he couldn't pass, and uh what did I say coming out of the draft, the Welsh? I said, this guy can absolutely pass, and he proved it this week. I mean, just give him a little bit of time. He had six starts, seven starts last year. So, And I know it was against Miami, and this might be his best passing week he has the entire season, but he looked really, really good, and he looked efficient. So uh, I'm excited about uh, Lamar Jackson moving forward. I just wish that he wasn't a stupid rapper. Yeah, you know, and... Like, the only thing I think I regret is I don't have Lamar in, like, the Superflex leagues that are out there. And it'll be really interesting. You know, I wonder, I mean, we're going to talk about this in the next episode, especially if we go and look at, like, where people are going. I wanted to uh, see they don't have it up. I wanted to see where people had Lamar Jackson for week two. Looking at Fantasy Pros, they actually had him at quarterback seven against Miami, which was a great option. And I did a twofold thing. I had Lamar Jackson going in that one that one league, like I said, I was facing Bogman. I had freaking Sammy Watkins and Lamar Jackson. They held. But I had another league, Boggs. I cannot believe I, I did it 20 minutes before game started. I <laughs> took him out, and I put Jameis Winston in. And, yeah. I mean, luckily I won because I was facing you. But 
it was nightmarish when I looked at it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm being rude. I hate your stupid guts. I'm being so rude. I really apologize. But Lamar Jackson, I'll never not sit him again. What do you think he is rest of season? Because I think a lot, there's going to be um, two camps. There's going to be the camp of, can I sell high because people are going to lose their mind that he can be a QB5? Or do you think this is a um, a buy? Is this a buy or sell moment on him? Because the buy is going to cost a lot, but not it won't cost enough if you believe he's a top five quarterback. Or is this a sell if you can get, you know, I don't even know what the, if you can get like a RB2 for a quarterback hungry team. I mean, if you can get an RB two and you like have a, a low end, backup, but you don't. Let's say, let's say you don't have a great option. You have to pick like Matthew Stafford would be your next quarterback. You I'm okay with Stafford because the defense looks so bad uh, against Arizona. Um, I like Eckler. I, what if you could go get Eckler for Lamar Jackson? I'm doing that. I am doing that too, actually. Yeah, but but uh, we didn't even talk about this, and this is part of the news that came down, you know, way late on uh, Sunday morning and it was Sunday morning. So why would you announce it then? But uh, they, they're saying they uh, think that Gordon is going to report by week six or eight somewhere in that neighborhood. But that also might be a trading tactic that, that might get released out there. Could so be. a team that knows if they trade for him and don't have a contract, uh, you would assume a team would, especially with the cost would have a contract in place, but the chargers just have no desire for it. And frankly, it would be a messy situation. Eckler was incredible this week. Three touchdowns, 150 total yards. I mean, he looked really awesome. And, you know, from a rest-of-season standpoint, if he was given the job, he's a high-end wide receiver, uh, running back too. But now there's a little bit in question. Like somebody – let me get your take on this. Somebody tweeted us earlier, um, actually I think this morning when we put out a poll, which we're going to get to, that he says he traded Eckler to get David Montgomery in a non-PPR. What do you think about that? Traded Eckler to get Montgomery. We were ta- we're clearly taking Montgomery over. Um, but. Yeah, I mean the way that uh, Montgomery was used though was rough. I, I think I think I'm okay with it. Um, if if you knew it, Eckler was if they traded Melvin Gordon today and you had and Eckler was a starter, I would then not it's like not that worth trade. It. No, no, it's a bad no, trade. No, me neither. So uh, I think I think it's risky. I, I'm okay with it. I don't know that it's something that I would have done. What so. I would like is for anybody to email us in or you can tweet us or whatever. The next episode, which is going to be dropping uh, before the Thursday night game, we're going to try to have all the episodes drop mid-Thursdays, is email us in what's going on with Lamar Jackson in your league as far as trades for or away. I'd love to know crazy trades that you saw. What did he go for? What have you seen, whether you were buying or selling? Because um, I'm very intrigued, and I think the upside on Lamar Jackson, this is maybe my overreaction of this week, but what I saw from him as a passer is I feel like what everybody dreamed Kyler Murray was going to be this this year. And I would not bet that on a rookie in Arizona, nor would I have bet that necessarily on the offense of Baltimore. But Lamar Jackson with Mar- Marquise Brown is exactly the type of player that, Brown, that um, Lamar Jackson needed. Like people are assuming Andy Isabella and Kirk were for Murray, but Jackson is further along, didn't need to run. I'm very much, I'm woke on Lamar Jackson, and um, <laughs> I would be interested if there's a high cost you can get, or, you know, high payment, but um, if it was relatively cheap, if I had a lot of depth and I had some quarterback issues, I would love to get me some Lamar Jackson. He was awesome. Continuing in the week one instant reactions as far as the positive things, let's stick on some positivity here, Bogman. Your boy CMC, all of those worries didn't matter. It doesn't matter that much because he was. We were all drafting him accordingly. But they're like, oh, it might come out of some things. All the maybe touches red zone. and 
and the touchdowns. So no worry. He's good. No, no He's worries. Good. No worries whatsoever. Um, the rookie whiteouts from a positivity standpoint, I really should have actually transitioned to that, where you had Marquise Brown have that big day. A.J. Brown was the only wide receiver that did anything in Tennessee, and he had Terry McLaurin, who was really solid. I was talking Better I was trying to Trey talk him Quinn. up. Yeah, I was trying to, well, Trey Quinn had a late <laughs> touchdown. Yeah, he got a garbage touchdown. Yeah, but McLaurin. And he had like six targets. He wasn't terrible. I got so. a couple shares of McLaurin, but like the rookie wide, I mean, not all the rookie wide odds. Adebo didn't look really that great, but there was a really positive rookie wideout boost where the running back rookies in week one were <laughs> so are you are, are, okay here's a question are any of the guys who had big games are you not buying into we're going to talk about waivers here in a little bit which will tell it but like like aj brown you know Corey davis was absolute zero yeah i'm not buying into aj brown what about uh, i i I, I'm happy that A.J. Brown was on the field more than I expected, and I would love to look at snap counts here uh, soon, but I, I haven't got a chance to yet. Um, McLaurin, uh, it's tough because there's opportunity there for him. Uh, but I, I think my gut tells me uh, this might be the best week that he has all year, so I don't think I'm going to be buying in too much on McLaurin. Okay, either. that's interesting. Um, the Vikings, I mean, Dalvin Cook looked huge, but their passing game looked atrocious. They had 10 pass attempts. I mean, Kirk Cousins was 8 for 10. They just didn't throw the ball, which I think is very interesting to your takes because uh, Dalvin Cook, I mean, Madison is no threat to Dalvin Cook, which I think is a takeaway for people. But many people will misconstrue it because they're going to think, oh, Madison is nothing. Well, Madison had like 40 yards on nine carries, so he's something. But as Bogman had been saying, the passing game is a question. Thielen made it work. But they did not pass the ball. They passed it 10 times. They want to run the ball. You're on to something with your worry of Diggs and So one and L you're going to take this week, the Welsh, is you, te- you yeah. tweeted me in the first quarter when Adam Thielen scored. <laughs> I did. A- and you said, how about that? How about or whatever you said? I and did. then we went on our presidential uh, gif. Uh, that was <laughs> fun. That was yeah, Bogman and I went down a rabbit hole of just <laughs> doing gifts of a presidents or presidential candidates. And I, I think I ended it with Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Right, right. And I was like, I don't know what else to say to this. Yeah, so, well, I kind of went off um, because you had went Clinton. And then when I went to Bernie, I realized I was like, well, I didn't do a, an actual president. So I kind of <laughs> ended it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you you were uh, saying, oh, look, Adam Thielen touched down in the first quarter and all that stuff. And then I think he had one more catch after that. So, uh, yeah, this is this is the perfect game plan for the Vikings. And this is what they want to do. Not going to be able to do it every week. But this is why uh, starting digs. And Madison or Diggs and Thielen is going to be dicey from yeah. week to week. I still think that Thielen is the guy there, uh, but Diggs will have his week, and then Thielen will have his week, and that's all if everything goes the way they want it. I'm to. very so. curious to see. I mean, by the way, like if you listen to us on the radio show um, on Saturday and the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, the three-hour show that Bogman and I have, we were doing all of our picks, and I went Minnesota because I still thought I think Minnesota is the team to beat. What I wonder is if they pivot. Because I think they're a ta- really talented offense. I think they're talented enough that they don't need to be this crazy run-heavy team. I'm, I wonder if they pivot into the next week where, like, of course they're going to have more than 10 pass attempts. But if they have 18, that's not pivoting. I wonder if you're going to see, like, 30-plus. And then you're going to see maybe, you know, a little bit less of Cook and Madison. And, I mean, also if they just move the ball better and, and the, the offense is more efficient, that's one thing. But I wonder if they pivot to make sure they get these guys in. So before you freak out and go sell your shares of Thielen and Diggs, I would wait to see if we can get a big week coming in. And then if you get a big Diggs and Thielen week, 
that's the time that you consider moving off of those guys because they've done something positive, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Wait, wait until they can't run this game plan, and they have to throw and then trade those guys. A couple other positive reactions: um, seventeen targets for Jamison Crowder. That's huge. I mean, he was free, so PPR. I mean, he only had ninety nine yards on like fourteen catches, but I mean, free PPR for Jamison Crowder, and it probably we laughed. Probably we laughed when the the beat writer said a hundred catches for Crowder. I mean, if he gets the, he'll have it by week 10, if uh, this is what they're going to have. So before that, I mean, uh, too. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's up there. He was uh, pretty impressive. Don't know if he's going to get 17 targets week two though. No, I wouldn't expect it. Robbie Anderson was banged up. They haven't worked in Ty Montgomery yet. Uh, so th- there's there's more to go around. John Brown's clearly the number one. That's what I've been saying. I got my yep. plenty of shares of John Brown. I feel very good about it. And then maybe even more interesting was, I mean, just how good the Colts looked under Jacoby Brissett. T.Y. Hilton was right back at it with two scores, and Marlon Mack was a boss. I mean, I I walked into, I think, two sh- one or two shares. One was a keeper league and one was an auto um, of Marlon Mack, and I am pleasantly surprised, but that's that's an L for me because I didn't believe in Marlon Mack of anybody, but I did believe in Jameson, or uh, T.Y. Hilton still, and they look pretty dang good against the Chargers. Well, I tell you what, you take the one big one away from Mack, right? And, and you can't. He had it, but if you were going to take that one big one away from Mack, then he has 24 carries, for 114 yards, which is still good, and that's a workhorse. That's what you want. But he had that explosive, that 63-yard touchdown late, which is you're not going to get every single week, but it's nice to know that he is getting the lion's share. Um, uh, how about are you worried about Hines? Four, cat, four rushes, 13 yards, four catches, four yards. Oh, I mean, I would be. Eight touches. Yeah, I'd still be a little bit worried, but okay, okay. but let me flip it back on you. Do you think this is a sell opportunity for Mac? Yeah. I do. Yeah, I, I think it is. Too. I think it's Absolutely. a big one. Speaking of worried, let's go into our week one worried reactions. And it starts with one player and one player alone, at least in my eyes, and that is Todd Gurley. He got some yards. He got them a little bit late. But as we'd mentioned to you before, Marquise Brown vultured a couple touchdowns. The first half had people losing their freaking minds about Todd Gurley. Luckily, he came back, ended up having 97 yards, but Brown had 11 carries and two scores. Daryl Henderson was absolutely nothing but let me let me pair a couple of these together. And actually, let's just jump right into it. It is our poll of the week that we've put out on the interwebs with uh, Todd Gurley. And it brings in a couple other guys that we've now talked about. Uh, so you have Todd Gurley. You have Damian Williams. Bogman, lay out the Damian Williams issue because it's he got a score, but a very big concern because LaShawn McCoy was as big in the offense, really what you and I expected, but the Chiefs and Damian Williams truthers would not listen to. It's only week one, but the shares, at least as far as touches go, should have people worried, right? Well, you know, Damian Williams had 19 touches to 11 for McCoy. But this is with McCoy with, what, a week and a half of ramping up? Not even that, a week of ramping up with the the, uh, Chiefs. And here's the big thing. 13 carries for 26 yards gives you a two-yard average. For Damian Williams, uh, LaShawn McCoy, 10 for 81, 8.1 yards. So I think there's a big difference in talent there. And uh, Damian Williams did catch six balls and he can be the he can be the guy that is the receiving back, the third down back there moving forward. But it looks like McCoy is not going to have to work very hard to take this job away from Damian Williams. So I think if you're a Damian Williams owner, 
you need to be concerned. I think and, that, and uh, that that's kind of what we said when McCoy went there, when the Welsh looked into his crystal ball and knew that that was going to happen. That's right. When I called, uh, are you doing tarot card readings anytime soon, or what are you doing there? I'm, you know, I should. Oh my god, you know, it'd be funny. Call you, me now call, for your NFL prediction. I should do a bit on that because you know my mom. My mom's like oh, super no. hippie with all that stuff. She has tried to teach me tarot cards before. I should do like a weekly uh, NFL tarot card segment for our YouTube. Would oh, that be great? Oh, you got the Todd Gurley card, child. <gasps> I might that do that. That means your knee is going to be hurting you after week two. I'm going to pull out Damian Williams and it'll be like the skeleton card. And I'll be like, oh, crap. I'll just make up <laughs> stuff what they all mean. I think I might do that. I'm going to call my, uh, I'm gonna call my mom. The, She'll be like, I'm oh, so happy you finally Antonio did tarot. Brown card. Yeah. No, child. That means you're going to have your back stabbed. All right. <laughs> all right. So here's what leads to the poll of the week. I just want to keep making up tarot cards. I'm sorry. You're doing good. I mean, there's a bunch of them. There's like a, there's like a death card and all that stuff. So Todd Gurley. You drew the Patrick Mahomes card. It means you're going to have a weird voice for the rest of your life, but very good at throwing. Todd Gurley is a concern for a lot of people. Some will mute it because of the second half. Damian Williams in the shares is a problem, but there's still enough, like you said, the 19 with the score. There's enough for people to... He'll have a role, and yeah. you want a guy with a role. Okay, well, the role's not the, the Chiefs' question, offense, though. but you know, you probably paid a second and third round. Pick. That's the point. Well, so. Let me get to the poll because that's the point. Is Damian Williams? It's not about him having a role. It's about that the role you paid for isn't there. That's the same thing with Todd Gurley. And the third one on the poll of the week is David Montgomery, who it's a little bit you know behind everybody now. No one even remembers anymore. But David Montgomery. Um, he looked good when he was given an opportunity, which was few and far between on Thursday, and they want to ease him in the offense, that is said. So the poll is, who are you most worried about after week one? Todd Gurley, Damian Williams, or David Montgomery? This will be up until Tuesday, probably around, I don't know, noon or 1 p.m. Eastern. We've already got a couple hundred votes on this, Boggs. Where do you sit as far as who you're most worried about, Gurley, Williams, or Montgomery? Uh, well, I'm not worried about Gurley right now. I think I, it's got to be, he's got to not get those goal line carries week two, week three for me to be officially worried. So I think for me, it's between Damian and Dave Montgomery. And I think the, the way they use Montgomery more concerning to me. So I think I'm more worried about Montgomery. All right. I think I'm I think I'm going to stick with Damian Williams because that's the one that I've been staying on. I, if I was ordering them, I would go Williams, Montgomery, Gurley. I'm not going to read in into the Malcolm Browns. I'd be more worried if I had Daryl Henderson than I would of any of the Rams stuff. Like Malcolm Brown, he's now bought himself a couple more weeks and it's just further away from Daryl Henderson. Do you remember all the people, just the Daryl Henderson hype? I mean, he was like going RB30. I mean, maybe it's going to pay off. It's week one. It's early, but like, I don't know. But Damian Williams is going to be my number one worry. Montgomery is number two and Gurley is number three to me. The poll is out there. Currently resides the winner of the most worried at 41%. Damian Williams right now is the most worried of anybody. And Montgomery and Gurley are very close. Gurley comes in at two at 30%. David Montgomery at 29%. So it's pretty handedly Damian Williams is the concern. With a couple hundred votes, this will probably rise up. And Barely um, even for a, a football poll, though, because usually it's like 82%. There's a part of person. there's a part of me that thought the Todd Gurley people were going to just flood this. I kind of thought that they right. would come out and just absolutely flood this thing because it's Todd Gurley and they're worried. But it didn't happen. Damian Williams ran it. We had a couple comments on it too. Um, my buddy Jimmy McCormick, who's over at uh, ESPN, he uh, commented and he says it's got to be Damian for me. The only guy who has quote just a guy 
who or who was, quote, just a guy for much of his career and thrived in an ideal window. J.J. Hawkins came in and said, I think they were just easing Gurley back into play and missing a lot of time. The second half output for that game, I think, will be what we saw more of the rest of this season. So he was just commenting on uh, defending Gurley. So I'm shocked that Gurley wasn't more because I thought people would overreact. It's Damian Williams. And call that an overreaction or not, that's where the concern is. So what does that tell us? If you wanted to buy in your believer, the cost is cheaper this week. If you want to sell, I think, I don't think this is a great time to do it right now because I don't think the sentiment on him is okay. I do think it will go in an influx. I think we'll have more weekly. Cons- I mean, I say this, and if those, if LaShawn McCoy has, you know, 12, 13 carries a game and Damian Williams has 14 or 15. I stand corrected. Damian Williams' value actually might it might not be higher than it is right now because there's not enough of a sample size. That actually might be the case, Bogman. He actually this might be the best time to sell him if this trend continues because it'll only get worse. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. You're saying that this is the best time to trade Damian Williams? I'm saying this might be because I what yeah. I, what I was about to say but was But you're you're still selling real low. Well, of course, but that's real, the real but the, the point of what I'm getting at is like under this scenario I'm building, if he continues to have a full share with LaShawn McCoy, it's only going to continue getting low. So this actually might be the high. Now, on the inverse, yeah. if if we have one of those situations where they ride the hot hand, well, then you could have a Damian Williams 175-yard game, and then that's the time to sell him. Or, you know, if you're the ultimate truther, LaShawn McCoy is nothing more than, you know, a backup cut scrub old running back, and Damian Williams will prove to be the guy that – he actually never was until he had a couple games with Kansas City because he was a loser with uh, Miami. But um, I say loser affectionately. I'm not a believer. He is mm-hmm. my most worried, and um, the internet speaks, and it is Damian Williams currently. But I think your David, Mo- I think David Montgomery should have been a lot more than Gurley. Uh, yeah, I think so, just because they use Mike Davis so much. Now he's a rookie; he'll get mixed in more as the season goes on. But uh, he's a borderline flex play at yeah. this point uh, with the, the low amount of touches that he got. So go follow me on Twitter at is it the Welsh vote on the poll, leave some comments. We will review what the final results are, at least on the, the next episode uh, on Thursday. We'll see if anything interesting comes out of it. I'm going to burn through some are some worried guys and you tell me who maybe the top two are right now. So here were some performances that are going to have you a little bit concerned. Corey Davis had three targets and no catches on Sunday. Oh, the Browns' offense or defense, I'll just throw them out in general. There's a little <laughs> bit of a worry. Leonard Fournette is now without Nick Foles, who Nick Foles has put on the able-to-return IR, but he's going to be out for a while, so that really could hurt um, Leonard Fournette. Uh, all of Miami is one. This is a bigger one to me. <laughs> Miles Sanders, because of the Eagles' running back situation, most carries, by far the worst yards per carry were Miles Sanders. He did have 11 but for only 25 yards. Sproles had the start. 47 yards, 5.2 yards per carry, and Jordan Howard had 7.3 yards per carry. So Sanders is out there. Tyler Lockett had one target. Oh, Pettis had two snaps. Oh, Garoppolo and Winston looked awful to me. Brandon Cooks was the least targeted guy, and that was always my prediction. It was only week one, but it was always my prediction what would happen with the Rams is Cooks would be the guy, even though he'll do. Brandon Cooks is like Deshaun Jackson to me, where he'll have those big games, but he wasn't the consistent option. And then the guys that people were buying on in Kansas City, like Hardman and Darwin, were a bunch of nothing. So I laid out a lot of probably the people that are concerned, uh, or the players that people are concerned about. Give me two that you think are legitimate worries. All right, just I want to cover the guys I'm absolutely not worried about first. 
Not worried about Fournette uh, without Foles. I mean, he played with Bortles the last couple of years. He's been okay. Uh, Miami, I just don't know what to worry about. Yeah, I guess I'm worried about all of them, but I'm, no one in particular more than anyone else. Uh, Lockett, not worried about it all. Uh, Garoppolo and Winston will get better. Uh, Hardman and Darwin will work into the offense in Kansas City. Not too worried about them. I'm worried about Dante Pettis probably the most. Two snaps. Uh, he got a bunch of S talked about him uh, by Shanahan. I hope he earns a role. I hope he earns a role. Then the depth chart comes out and he's number one. And then he's nothing when the game plays. He gets two snaps. I don't know what the hell's going on there. I know he has a calf issue. Uh, I don't know if that was the majority of it. I don't know if this is a motivational tactic by Shanahan for him to get better. I don't know what's happening there. So since I don't know, I have to say that he is a huge concern of mine. Uh, Miles Sanders, we always talked about, will get better as the season goes on. So I'm not worried about him. I just don't know how much of a flex he even is until we see him with that first big week. But Corey Davis is the other big Yeah, one. he's the number uh, one to me. Corey Davis is the absolute number one to me, worry. Yeah, I mean, look, Corey Davis should be much better. He was a high pick. Uh, he's super talented. For whatever reason, Marcus Mariota doesn't want to throw him the ball. And I don't know what it is, but he's just looked... Uh, bad, obviously, in week one, and I don't know how it's going to move uh, from this point because I don't know how much I don't know if Mario is going to have as good a game as he had this week for the rest of the year because he's not that great of a quarterback and they just jumped all over yeah. Cleveland. So uh, I think uh, Pettis and Davis are my big worries. I think Pettis week. is a good one. I'm going to have some worry for Fournette. I, you know, I was coming in with it. I really tried to pivot off of it because of Nick Foles in this offense. But now that he's out, I think I'm a little bit more worried. Sure, they could rely on the run game more, which you could see as a positive, but are we going to just have stacked boxes? Maybe those wide receivers aren't going to really allow it because, you know, the whole collection were pretty solid. And uh, I'm just not sure we're going to see the Jags have that good of a game for a while. So I'm a little bit more worried about Leonard Fournette. Nothing too crazy about, but Corey Davis is a, is a pretty big worry here. I'll, and say, I'll say real quick with Fournette that Minshew doesn't have a – huge arm so he likes dump off passes so we might see Fournette increase in dump off passes because that's what he did with Jamal Williams uh uh or James Williams excuse me at Washington State and that could year. save his yeah, value on a catch that could save yes. any of the worry value if he gets those dump off passes what I would ask you is who are you overreacting about who are your biggest worries and oh well, I mean we're going to call them overreactions who are your biggest worries after week one, email those in ballbaggingandinthisleague.com because we are going to answer those on Thursdays and we will either uh, make you feel better, whether it's, your, hey, should I trade this guy because I'm worried or you're just overall worried about it, you want to drop some stats, anything, ballbaggingandinthisleague.com and we will talk about the most worried on week one because we just gave you who we got. All right, now you're worried. Who are you picking up? It is waiver time, wavery waivers. So let's go talk about the top five and who else you can look at. It's in this league. Got what plants crave. It's got electrolytes. What are electrolytes? Do you even know? It's what they used to make. In this league. I'm the smartest guy in the world. Says who? IQ test you took in prison. Brought to you by Carl's Jr. All right, Wavery Wavers brought to you by Patreon.com slash ITL Army. Uh, just reminding you guys there, come check us out. Have fun with us this week, Thursday night with Bogman and all of that exciting stuff. Now, we have got quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers and tight ends that you guys can consider. But let's start with the top five. First reaction is I don't believe this is – I don't think we're walking away from week one 
with an astounding, you have to use your number one waiver claim. You've got to do this. Now, I say that with a little bit of a caveat because I want to talk about the guys and we'll revisit that. But I'm, my instant reaction is I'm not sure, you know, a guy went, you know, Melvin Gordon went down and Austin Eckler in that type of situation. I don't think we have that. But here are the top five as I ordered them, Bogman. And you let me know how you feel different. I'm going to go through the five and then we'll talk about does someone need to move up or down or replace. Number one, at least on my list, is not the wide receiver that I think potentially will get the number one spot. Is I'm going with a running back. And I'm going with Ronald Jones because Ronald Jones surprisingly took um, a bulk of the carries and was the most efficient in Tampa Bay over the San Francisco 49ers. He had 13 carries for 75 yards, a catch for 118. So he was closing in on 100 yards against the San Francisco 49ers, and he just clearly looked the best. So the reason I put him there is how often do we get the opportunity to potentially get a a running back on a top offense like Tampa Bay if they don't make any moves. So I put him there. He's got Carolina next. Marquise Brown, though, Hollywood Brown, that is probably the number one on most people's list as he had a dominant game, uh, four catches, 147 yards, two touchdowns. He had five total targets, 31% owned. By the way, Ronald Jones was 28% owned. What is that on Yahoo? That's on Yahoo, right? Yeah, it's yeah. on Yahoo. 28% yep. owned on uh, Yahoo for Ronald Jones, 31 for Marquise Brown, and he's got Arizona coming up next and looks like maybe the big play target for Lamar Jackson. Uh, John Ross, I got at number three, 9% owned but targeted 12 times, seven catches, 158 yards, and two touchdowns. And I believe I was looking at roster trends on Yahoo. He was the number one wide receiver on that list that was moving up. He's got San Francisco up next. The final two? Terry McLaurin, who was up there, 3% owned, had seven targets, five catches, 125, and a score up against Dallas next. And then I threw on Justice Hill, who got some of his run, 32%. And that might be one we can change. 32% owned, but he had seven carries for 27 yards, which could make people feel good, though Mark Ingram looked really solid. And he's got Arizona up next. So what do you think about the top five waivers? What order needs to be changed? And do we need to take anybody out? I think I would, you know, like you said, I think I would put Brown at number one just because he looked like the number one wideout for Baltimore. And this matchup is really good next week. Is he worth a number one waiver wire claim, though? You you were after week one. Um, That's the question that I think is the most. I think that's the most important question of all of this may not even be the order of the guys. If Marquise Brown is the number one, is he worth burning your number one claim? Yeah, I, I, think, I, he I think he is. Uh, I, I think he is. I, it's tough because you don't know about injuries moving forward and all that stuff. I would I would say that it's tough to say yes or no because I don't know what your roster looks like. If you're thin at running back and Marquise Brown is available, he's probably not worth your number one waiver wire. And if you're thin at running back, then that makes Ronald Jones the number one guy for you. But, what if, but if, if you're what looking if, for what if a you're flex th- option— what if you're thin at running back and wide receiver? You have a, a questionable wide receiver three and a questionable flex, and your running backs, you know, you've got like two okay running backs or two solid running backs, but not a good third running back, and you don't have a good third wide receiver that starts. Under that scenario, is Marquise Brown worth burning that? Yeah, I, I think so. Okay. Because at that point, because to me, Brown is the number one wideout in Baltimore. He proved that week one. I think that I think there's no more arguing for Willie Sneed or Miles Boykin or anybody else. Even though they had good games, they both scored touchdowns as well. I think that Brown is the number one guy. He's going to be a boomer bust play every week. But yes, I think if in that scenario, 
Um, I, and I can start him week to week, especially your week two matchup against Arizona is fantastic because Pat, Patrick Peterson still suspended. So you're going to go up against, uh, you know, a bad secondary in Arizona. So I'm all about uh, Marquise Brown this week. Okay. And start. Do you believe do you believe that Ronald Jones is number two or yeah, do you think Ronald Jones? No, Ronald Jones is easy number two. Look, John Ross got a nice long look uh, against the Seahawks. Uh, they play the matchup well. They design plays for him. So he is definitely worthy of a pickup or putting fab budget on or whatever. But A.J. Green is going to come back at some point. And are they going to use uh, John Ross like this from week to week? Plus, he's always had health issues. So he's he's third, but he's a far away third. Okay. To me. Uh, Terry McLaurin at four. You know, as I'm looking, I went on the roster trends of a, of a lower-owned league on Yahoo, and McLaurin is absolutely the most added by a large margin. Though number two is, uh, and this is actually a really good conversation, what about Malcolm Brown? You know, Malcolm Brown had that big game, looks to be the, the number two back. If Brown is the number two back, do you go Malcolm Brown over a guy like Justice Hill this week? I do. Yeah. Just uh, if he's getting goal line carries for the Rams, the Rams, you know, if if that's his job, we saw what Todd Gurley was. He's going to get 17 touchdowns. Do you like Brown over McLaurin? Yes. Okay. So you move him up to number four. Um, Let me throw one more at you that's down on this list. This is like a further one down because I I initially put Justice Hill and now I'm thinking I'm agreeing with you. But what about a guy like uh, Mouse Fart, uh, Raheem Mousterd, who. No. Okay, he's only 1% owned on Yahoo. Tevin Coleman is going to miss some relatively significant time. Breida is going to be the main back, which is the super positive for everybody. But Mouse Fart was out there, you know, getting some run. How many touches did he have? I think that's I think he had nine carries for 40 yards, and he had one target for, like, one yard. Okay, that's not, it's not bad. That's with Tevin Coleman in that game early on. Right, and Coleman's going to come back though at some point. So you are, you know, Mousterd is is uh, he's plugging a hole. You know what I mean? It's it's a stopgap for right now. That's like in a deep league, you really need a running back because your guy got hurt or banged up or whatever. So uh, I think that that is he's a stopgap. He's not a guy that you're picking up for the rest of the year. And I think the rest of these guys have season long. Uh, value and I don't think that Monster does. Okay, so real quick, do you want to keep McLaurin at number five at three percent, dude? I, I think I would put DK Metcalf ahead of him. To be honest, I Metcalf is a little bit higher on or a lot. Of, well, I'd say at thirty eight percent, but okay. uh, I would put him in there because Russell Wilson was looking his way all game long. When they weren't, they still ran the ball a ton, and we expect them to do that. They led the league in rush attempts last season, but he was looking at. I mean, he's the reason why uh, Lockett only got one uh, target. I'll, so I'll agree I think with I'd you. Put Metcalf I'll agree there. with you. Just maybe part of the conversation, and probably should have prefaced this. It's like if you look at guys like you know, under 30% owned, like right around that range. I mean, I guess he's a little bit there. So, okay, so DK Metcalf. So our final list looks like whether Ronald Jones and Marquise Brown are one and two, your preference. John Ross, three, Malcolm Brown, four, and DK Metcalf, five. That's our top five, right? Yeah, and I would have had Chark up there if uh, Foles hadn't hadn't got hurt. And uh I think A.J. Brown can go in there, too, so okay. there, uh, a little bit. There's some highly owned guys we'll talk about here in just a second. Now, let me throw this one out because he's kind of highly owned. T.J. Hawkinson, who's 52% owned on Yahoo right now, phenomenal game. If Hawkinson is out there, 
how would he sit on because we didn't put him in here because he's you know over 50% owned but if Hawkinson is out there for people where would he sit on the top 5 if at all uh i'd put him right behind marquise brown i would put him at yeah i would put him in the top 3 he would be in the same tier of jones and marquise brown maybe even more so hawkinson might be he might be the best season long of all of these guys, especially if you've got a questionable Maybe. tight ends. If you have a Kelsey and Ertz and stuff, you don't care about this, but he might be the best option of all of them. He might be worth yeah. uh, a turn and burn if you have a really bad tight end situation. Look, look, it's it, yeah, and it's tough to um, it's tough for rookie tight ends to get involved, and he had the most receiving yards in a first start ever for a tight end. So I think um, I saw a thing where it was like. He could have 30 yards every game the rest of the season, and he would still have the best rookie season for a tight end. Right. So uh, he, he's he got a lot of work, and Stafford was looking his way. And I was a little bit worried about him because, you know, uh, we saw how good Ebron was last year, and he had had Ebron for years and years and just didn't trust him. So seems like he trusts Hawkinson. Uh, already off the bat. So I, I like that moving forward. I like that a lot for me. Nine targets, six catches, 131 yards, and a touchdown. It was against Arizona, so you have to monitor that. All right, let's do some quick uh, burns here, Bogman. Let's talk about some quarterbacks if people are digging around. Who are some waiver options? Uh, well, I think for next week, if you're looking at stuff, I like Josh Allen at 32% on at the Giants. That's a good one. I think that's a nice one. Um, I love Jacoby Brissett, by the way, versus – sorry, I didn't mean to jump right over you when I asked you. But Tennessee, though, they just it. made Baker Mayfield look bad. He threw three picks. I don't mind so, it. And it's on the road. I, I, don't, I don't know that I want him – for next week, he might be the best uh, season-long option out of everyone here, except for Stafford, who's twenty-six percent owned. I think Stafford's my first pickup, regardless of of anything. If you need a quarterback, okay, because he's only twenty-six percent owned and he's against the Chargers. After that, I like Allen, and um, I don't know. The rest of these are rough options. Maybe Andy Dalton against San Francisco when they had four hundred eighteen yards on the road against uh, yeah. the Seahawks. So why not? I don't know. know. San Francisco's defense. If you didn't want, I mean. You know, there's some stuff there, but their defense was still pretty strong, even though Winston was garbage. Nick Bosa getting his first sack. Quan Alexander was a monster. Um, Richard so he Sherman got tossed. Yeah, well, it was a ridiculous toss. I couldn't I just, believe that stupid nonsense of that hit. But Richard Sherman, you know, I mean, they, they were all over it. Multiple, I mean, two defensive. I think uh, that I, I'm, I'm. Look, they look good. I'm going to say that was more Winston than, than I agree. The defense, I agree, but I'm, so. it's not enough for me to put out stupid Andy Dalton. Um, no, I don't want to. I'm just saying, if you had to. Uh, that would be. I'd rather put Brissett out than Andy Dalton. Mm, I wouldn't. Not, okay. not against Tennessee on the road. I'm a little on board bet for next week, uh, for the next mm, episode. Maybe. Running yeah, backs. Running backs, Bogman. I'm going to light through uh, just a couple that I dig. The percentages are they're still difficult. I'm not giving up on Justin Jackson because Eckler. I think Justin Jackson could be a highly dropped player this week for some people because of the Gordon news and how Eckler was. 43% own, but he had 57 yards on the ground. He had a catch. I'm still into him, and he's got Detroit next. Um, Mixon, uh, he had an MRI. It came back clean. So, you know, 13% Gio Bernard. There are probably going to be a lot of ads. I, I'm still cool with it, but I'm not sure I would go crazy. Maybe this week is solid uh, going up against San Francisco. Seven carries, 21 yards, and a couple targets last week. Maybe one of the biggest ones that I am i don't know how to deal with is C.J. Anderson, who had 11 carries taking away from carry-on, which I am worried. I'm worried about carry-on now, seeing that type of a usage with C.J. Anderson, but 14% owned. I don't look a lot of these and love them outside of, so I guess if I had to pair them out, I would go mouse fart, 
I go Chris mm. Thompson at the top because Darius Geis, which we got to talk about. I go Chris Thompson number one, probably Geo, and then Mouse Fart. And if Justin Jackson hit the wire, I would obviously pick him up, but he was 43% owned. Uh, you know what I want to mention here is Alexander Madison. And look, I, Alexander Madison isn't a guy that you start most weeks. But if you're a guy that your roster looks pretty good, maybe you have one player to to dump, whatever it is. I would throw a couple bucks on Madison just because Dalvin Cook has been banged up in the past and it looks like the Vikings want to run the ball so much. So I would just grab and stash him. It's all about that if, life. If, if I'm a person that, uh, you know, if he's he's on the wire in my league and I have a pretty good roster, I don't have to spend uh, my waiver priority on him or a ton of fab. That's something I would absolutely do. But the rest, I'm with you. It's Thompson and Bernard. Okay, let me throw this at you real quick because I don't need to save it for later. But we found out early this morning Darius Geis is going to miss. I mean, it really would have been warranted to, you know, be at the top of the episode. But we assume you guys are going to listen to the whole episode, so you'll get all the stuff. Darius Geis, he went on, uh, underwent an MRI and is going to miss time. That's about all what we know right now. This came off the heels of Jay Gruden absolutely roasting Adrian, Adrian Peterson, being like, yeah, if we run 1,000 plays with I-formation, we'll have Adrian Peterson out there. So here's what I ask you. Geis is going to miss time. Chris Thompson is, is absolutely the dude out there. But Adrian Peterson, 30, 37% owned in Yahoo, could have been a pretty widely dropped guy because he was a healthy scratch and those comments. But then you throw in this. Where would Adrian Peterson fit in this list if he was out there? Would you put him top. at the top? Very, very top. top. Very, very top and top of the rest of the list, too. That's what, okay. That's what I meant, too. Of the top five, would he jump into the top five over Marquise Brown All and everybody? Yes. Yep. He's going to, they have to activate him. And he still, look, we saw him in the preseason. He still has it, you know, and, and this, I feel real burned. By Peterson, especially, you know, I'm not I'll never say that I'm glad that guys got hurt because I'm not. I have as many guys shares as, as I have Peterson shares. But uh, I just can't believe that they would bench him after he looked good in the preseason. What were you thinking? And they might have been able to pull this victory off against uh, the the Eagles if they had had Peterson because guys looked like garbage in the second half. and They didn't have anyone else to run the clock down with. So I think it was really stupid of Jay Gruden to uh, not have Peterson active. Because, what? Because he can't play on special teams. Find somebody else, dude. You gotta have that. You have that guy on your roster. He's got to be playing. He you needs know, a helmet. So I think I might make an adjustment to the top five. I think I would have. I would rather go Chris Thompson over Adrian Peterson. And the more that I'm thinking about this, because those words really ring high to me, I think I'm going to put Chris Thompson in my top five of waivers. I'm okay. going to put him in there. So we can, we'll can we reestablish after we get through the rest of these. But I'm going to go Thompson over Peterson. You're going to go Peterson over, and I think that's a good one. Let's burn through wide receivers, Boggs. Um, so who, many. Yeah, I mean, so many to we add. already it's talked ridiculous. about like three on there, and that's still there. Cobb looked good. Yep. He had a touchdown. Crowder, I mean, look, Crowder's 46% owned, but he's top of the list, A number one. If you're in a PPR, uh, 14 catches for 99. He goes to the top of the list over anybody. We're assuming he's already owned in most leagues, though. Yeah. Uh, A.J. Brown. Uh, needs to be on the list somewhere. Dorsett can come off even with this good performance, the two touchdowns, because AB is coming in next week. That's the guy that really loses value uh, because yeah, he's not going to get snaps because AB comes in. Danny Amendola, uh, but though, man. Danny Amendola looked like Stafford's number one guy. We, we, we heard this targets. in the preseason. This is the thing. No one yeah. wanted to believe it when you heard it, but they're like, Amendola is taking over the Golden Tate role, and he had 13 targets in week one. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I'm a little worried about Amendola's, uh, you know, usage, knowing his injury history sure. here. But uh, he, uh, he looked really good, and he looked like the outlet and that defense is bad. Yeah. So uh, I, I like Amendola moving forward. So all these guys can be added. Uh, you know, week one is the biggest one for the sheer number of pickups uh, because of, you know, guys going down, but also guys establishing their their footing and their role in an offense. So Amendola is absolutely a dude to pick up. Yeah, Tight we'll, end was terrible. Yeah, awful. we'll see where, where Waller ends up going uh, this week. I've got right. some shares of Waller. But outside of um, Hawkinson, I mean, maybe Vernon Davis, who's super lowly owned, and, you know, he had seven targets. I think that was good. Jimmy Graham, I thought, was okay, but he's just under 50% owned. If I was picking up anybody, I'm not picking up Darwin or – Eifert or anything like that. It would be Vernon and Graham. Jarwin. What did I say? Darwin? Jarwin. Yeah. You said Darwin. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking Darwin's a lot. Uh, yeah, Jarwin. And I would be picking up Davis and Graham if Hawkinson wasn't out there. Otherwise, you know, guys like Waller are fine. So And Fant, Fant is low-owned. And remember, he was a teammate with Hawkinson at Iowa. Let's see if he can do something like that uh, tonight. Probably not. I would guess he's more of a traditional, you know, rookie tight end of two catches for 14 yards. But we'll see. So yeah. top five, then, if you make the adjustments on the players that we've talked about, what does your top, your new top five look like? Uh, Peterson, Brown, Jones, Ross, Malcolm Brown. Okay, okay, good. Um, you should write that. Write that down, actually. Write that down. And because I'm going <laughs> to write mine down. I'm going to go, boy, I'm going to go Ronald Jones, Marquise Brown. I'm going to go Chris Thompson, what should I win? Ronald Jones, Marquise Brown, Chris Thompson. Just looking through to make sure I'm not missing anything on my list here. Then I'm going to go um, John Ross, Malcolm Brown. So that's my list. So Ronald Jones, Marquise Brown, Chris Thompson, Malcolm or John Ross, and then Malcolm Brown is my top five. So that's some waiver conversation. You guys got other waivers or questions? Hit us up for the next episode in the ball bag because. We're going to hit our reaction ball bag. We got lots of good stuff here you guys sent in. So ball bag time for week one. ITL. I seem to be dropping all your mail. Ah! I guess I'm a clumsy mailman. Think I got in the ball. You're a bad mailman. Ballbaggingintheseague.com. Let's freaking go. What were the reactions? Were there crazy people? What do they want to do? Uh, yeah, there were some crazy people here, but I love I love the shortness of some of these emails, by the way. A great start to the fantasy season, guys. Went up against Mahomes, Watkins, Cook, and Mark Ingram. Woke up like a school kid on Christmas, only to get kicked hard in the nuts. And that's from Adam. There's no question. Yeah. Uh, you asked for uh, week one reactions, and that is his week one reaction. Yeah, you got kicked in the nuts. Cool. Yeah. Uh, hey, Bogman and the Welsh. Among all the wonderful and amazing things I have seen uh, opening Sunday during the early games, I have watched my one share of Julio Jones meet the wall that has shut down corner Xavier Rhodes. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me how often I was benching my one wide receivers against Rhodes last season. Who are some other shutdown corners you would consider avoiding week two? Peace, Mayfield. P.S. I am on my fourth year as a listener. Finally stepped up in July to become a captain over on Patreon. The content is over the top. Can't recommend you guys enough. Glad I plugged in. Uh, thanks for all you do. I like that. And That's really nice because he's interesting because this is the because uh, we had an other Mayfield. This is a new Mayfield and May and the new Mayfield was like jumping out of rooms and I was like, are we losing this Mayfield? But he's just not muting them. He's just like, I don't need to be in this room right now. I'm over in this one. Uh, this is uh, this is a good dude with a good plug. 
But what do you think here, Boggs, uh, defensively? You're our defensive guy here. Any corners that you think warrant this type? Like, I really hate getting cute, and it doesn't pay off all the time. We stupidly were laughing about the Rodgers stuff, and he ended up looking stupid and not good. But, like, I'm not going to play this game a lot, but who are corners? Are there any other corners that warrant you concerned, being concerned? Not really, because, like, you know, Kendall Fuller was a bunch of people worried about Kendall Fuller uh, playing for the Chiefs. And just I wasn't, uh, you know, Tredavious White locked down Robbie Anderson, but Anderson was banged up a little bit. I I guess you could say uh, Jalen Ramsey held Tyreek Hill in check a a little bit until he got hurt. But then Sammy Watkins went crazy. Uh, So, uh, you know, I am just I'm not too into that type of matchup. I think that, um, you know, I I just it's just not something I'm really looking forward to too much uh, because those guys are going up against my number one wide receivers. And it's just very rare that I'm in a spot where I'm going to bench my number one wide. And I also not something I do. This might be something you have to develop a little bit more, you know, like look more into like where, you know, there's a shutdown corner in the slot type of thing. You know, you're just not going to sit guys like Julio Jones, regardless of what it is. And and by the way, I, I still... And he got a garbage touchdown still. I'll so, still stand yeah. strong to this. If you are taking guys in the first two or three rounds that you would then consider benching in specific matchups, I think you should rethink you drafting those players. I really do. Uh, but there there is a warrant to this, and we should look further as the season develops a little bit more. You know, three or four game sample size to see what corners do. But we'll come back to it. That's a really good question. What else? All the build-up, all the hype, all of the anticipation. We waited seven long months for its return. We have longed for the uh, crack of helmets and the whiff of a fresh-cut 100 yards with pristinely painted end zones. We wanted it so bad, we even watched preseason games with insurance of car salesmen playing right guard and nose tackle. And yet I ask, why isn't football fun? <laughs> why must we be so elated that immediately brought down to earth by the reality of Turt Gurley, Baker Lamefield, and some team with a bird mascot that almost that that blew a game. Sorry, Cornell. Uh, talk me off the ledge, fellas. Uh, well, at least I still have my Saturdays. Yours truly with love, Alabama man. No, I mean, so. you should absolutely hate football. Hate football. Uh, and football is a miserable sport that all it does is tear <laughs> us apart. It makes me uh, it makes me hate people for no reason. And then I have to second guess. Um, like, do you know how much I was just like, like B-dub? He made a comment about the 49ers for his Bucks team, and I was so mad. And then I was like, what do I care? I'm like, the 49ers are stupid. I hate everything. Football is miserable. It makes <laughs> it, it tears your families apart. It makes you yell and scream about things. Well, that sometimes you, you yeah, and, and look, there was a big like uh, HBO Real Sports with Brian Gumble thing about this, about how football has replaced religion for a lot of people. So like making fun of, of your team sometimes people take that personally and people like to you know give me crap about the Steelers all the time and and I I understand that but football's on the same I, I line as politics at this used point to it it is it yeah. is sometimes because people will vehemently vehemently defend whoever it is that they're rooting for uh and and sometimes you got to step back and be like well, why why am I getting this upset about yeah. just uh, an innocuous look comment. at Bogman Bogman yeah. Bogman lost everything no one was a bigger loser this weekend than Bogman and he's still standing he's doing a podcast 
Yeah, I was <laughs> for a little bit. No, I don't know. Football's fine. I, it's it's miserable when your teams suck and you have to. I mean, many people like it was either going to be B Dub or me who was going to walk away from week one, being like, "Well, I'll just focus on fantasy this year because everything <laughs> else is over." It happens, man. We we care when we care too much. That's when it hurts the most. You'll be okay, and that's why we're here for you with the ITL Army. You can console with all of the other fans. We can uh, drink and be as merry as possible. But that's why we're here for and- you. Beat up still a Warriors fan. He's doing just fine. Beat up's fine. Uh, he's he's good, he's doing fine in life. Good evening, gents. How do you avoid the urge to make a rash decision after seeing just one week of meaningful football versus the month of prep you put into your team? Example, I have a ton of questions in my head that I probably should not pull the trigger on, such as, is DJ Chark worth owning in a 10-team league? No. Uh, is Terry McLaurin better than Trey Quinn? Yes. Maybe. Is Trey is Kenyon Drake worth owning? Uh, um, yes, still. Uh, yeah, I guess the better question I have is when uh, do you go with your gut and make a move in week two versus go with what you trusted with the draft day strategy? Thanks, guys. Mummer. And that's uh, it's a difficult question to answer because sometimes you're too late. You know, one of these guys that perform in week one is going to have a gigantic year, whether it's John Ross or McLaurin or Marquise Brown or Ronald Jones. Yeah. One of those guys is just going to have a huge 2019. We we don't have the crystal ball. Well, maybe Welsh does, but we don't have have the crystal. When I start my tarot series, who that guy is going to be. So, you know, if you're looking for upside, you know, take a guy with high draft. Uh, capital like Marquise Brown. If you need a consistent running back because you own Darius guys, go pick up a guy like Peterson. But I think, um, you know, two to three weeks will tell you this. The problem is in two to three weeks, you may not have those options to go pick up. So it's, it's a tough game to play, especially week one. I'll I'll just throw Uh, in real quick. You're talking, you're making tinier decisions. So like, it, 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 what's more important is what does it cost? Like DJ Chark and and Terry McLaurin, like those aren't one. The the whole idea of like ah pulling the trigger, like just pick them up then. But if it's at the cost, if if the cost of McLaurin is over Kenyon Drake, then I think you're making too much of a rash rash decision. It comes back to risk bucks. I want sample oh, sizes. No. Yep. I, I think if you drafted Kenyon Drake, you can't just let him go, or you're going to be negative in your risk bucks. You have to you have to be willing to buy in. If a player, remember my whole thing: if you spent a top three round, they should be a, at least you should have four weeks of buying in on. With a guy like Kenyon Drake, you should at least see three weeks of it. And you know, is is the question you lose out on Ronald Jones over Kenyon Drake? Well, you should cut it somewhere else. If you're worried about Kenyon Drake and you don't want to miss out on a guy like Ronald Jones, make the cut somewhere else. Guys like DJ Chark, I think you're fine with McLaurin. You're fine with. I wouldn't worry too much about that, but sample sizes of cutting, I want two or three weeks on like the top half of my draft guys. The bottom half, I'm going to be a lot more, I'm going to cut them a lot easier this year. I'm going to be a lot more moving forward on like, okay, hey, look at Dante Pettis. I don't think it would be ridiculous to cut Dante Pettis to go get a Marquise Brown or a John Ross. I would do it. Yeah, I mean, at that point, two snaps. That tells you something more yeah. about the player. So, uh, yeah, I mean, each situation is specific and all that stuff. But it's it's tough to know immediately week one uh, because people are freaking out and panicking over Todd Gurley, and I'm just not there yet. So it depends on the person as well. Uh, I was offered a trade of what was floating in my friend's toilet for Allison. I feel like I should accept. <laughs> is this an overreaction from Doc Holliday? Um, yes. Uh, yeah, I would say it is. And, and look, Geronimo Allison, not targeted, but let's not forget how terrible 
the Packers offense yeah. as a whole looked on Thursday night. And they were not prepared. Uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't play in the preseason at all. And this is what you get when guys don't play in the preseason. You get a bunch of sloppy football. Now, Allison, while you know a ton of guys had a catch and he didn't, uh, or a target, and he didn't. He still had 50% of the snaps. He was in on 32, 64 I'm plays. picking him up anywhere he was dropped, but I'm, I'm not start. I had some places where he was started this week. Oh, uh, like, maybe I'm, not anywhere. Okay, but I'm picking him up in a lot of places. I wouldn't put him over most of those guys that we just talked about on the waiver wire. I wouldn't put him over them, but, mm. like, I, I guess if you could, if the waiver wire is processed, right, and nobody picked up Terry McLaurin, whatever reason, a uh, short 10-man league, and you have Allison. You dumping Allison from no. McLaurin? I, I was am. just about to say I'm keeping Allison over McLaurin, maybe not Ross and Brown. Okay, uh, all right. And see, that's just where we're at. And I and I said this too, uh, that um, you know MVS and Allison are going to eat into each other, and uh, I, you were kind of poo-pooing that, but I think that, you know, look, there's going to be a week where Allison has a better matchup or whatever, and he gets more catches than MVS, and that's absolutely going to happen. And I'm not, I'm not too worried about him yet. Although I would dump him for some of the guys that looked really good week one. Yeah. Um, well, that was fun, but really, but not really so much fun. Week one brings many questions, but I will uh, zero in on my most important. Got Lightning huge round. problems in my home league. I am assuming Tyreek Hill is going to be out three to four weeks at least on my bench. I can replace Tyreek with Debo Samuel or go to the wire. Could you guys rank the following? And we already did. Marquise Brown, AJ Brown, Preston Williams. Would you drop Christian Kirk for any of those guys? Thanks as always, Joe. Absolutely not. I'm not dropping Kirk. He looked better in the second half uh, when Larry Fitzgerald started catching passes. Brown's the only one. Brown's the only one of interest in that list that you should be actively trying to grab. Yeah, I'm sorry. He's yeah, Marquise. Yeah, cause, well, no, I just yeah, because there are multiple Browns in there. Marquise Brown. All right, lightning round. Uh, how about them Cowboys, fam? Yeah, Next. they they look really good. Yeah, great. Uh, Kenyon Drake. Do I drop him in a 12 team PPR? Steve G. Not no, yet. Not yet. Uh, Fitz is still the best uh, best AZ wide receiver. Sent this before two huge catches. Let's f and go. Thanks. I have all the shares, Boggs, and that's from Braun. I like yeah, that. You're he, welcome. I like that he also spelled it like you are Wade Boggs with multiple G's. I like that. <laughs> one G, one G, everybody. Uh, with Miami being a disgrace, how far up do you move <laughs> fantasy viable players in the AFC East since they'll uh, play a couple times a year? Brady seems like an obvious move up, but Lev others tough. I don't know that I would move players up in that division just because of two games. Time. No, just well, that week. And, and, and also, you got to think about if every team is going to beat Miami by 40, you're going to see a lot of Gus Edwards, you know, in the second half from whatever team they're playing. So uh, you're going to see a lot of backups getting yeah, a third, late third, early fourth quarter run. And, you know, you got to make sure your guys produce in three quarters. Yeah, so it kind of sucks. There's out no there. overall boost divisionally just because of one team. It's just those weeks, like, like you said, maybe there's some hidden value. Uh, hey, guys, what the fudge do you do with the Chiefs' backfield? Shady looked good in the second half. What is the probability he becomes a bell cow? If you don't have a backup QB in a deep league, is it worth adding my Jags' new starter, Mustache Minshew? Oh. Thanks, fellas. Uh, Sergeant Skinner. So let's uh, I think w- no. we talked about the Chiefs' backfield a little bit. Um, you no, know, no. Uh, it, it's it's McCoy. I, I don't think he becomes a bell cow because they have so many options. Uh, Minshew, probably not. I mean, deep league, if you have to have a backup and you had falls or something, Keenum then sure. Or Keenum. Minshew, Keenum, pasta. 
Keenum. Keenum, yeah. Keenum. Okay. So Not so close. here's the answer. No and no. Easy. Yeah, I mean, they just traded for Josh Jobs today. I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Jobs get that job in two weeks. So, uh, dear Homer and Flanders, I've done uh, everything ITL has said, even the stuff that contradicts the other stuff. Hey, broskies, do you think the Patriots will go undefeated and is Brady a top-five QB with the addition of AB? Stupidity got us into this mess, and stupidity will get us out. Barrow. <laughs> he didn't do the voices. Like, Barrow's bit is he starts his line with the the deer and then he ends it stupidity with it. got us into this mess and stupidity will get us out i don't do a good fry so okay uh, not sure uh no tom brady maybe um with the addition of ab uh probably not still and i don't think the patriots will go undefeated no patriots really not going undefeated it's it's definitely a possibility here's the funniest thing though is it's going to be looking at the quarterbacks that you took post qb12 that are putting up top five quarterback numbers, and Brady and Lamar Jackson already look like huge payoffs to that. So sure, it's possible, but Patriots aren't going undefeated, and God willing, they don't. Hey, fellas, how about John Ross showing out in Seattle, and is Malcolm Brown going to eat into Todd Gurley's touches all season? Thanks, Tim. Yeah, John Ross we talked about a little bit. Uh, let's look for week to week, plus when A.J. Green comes back. I'm not 100% sold yet. I'm more and positive on John Ross than you right now, but. Uh, maybe. I mean, I have John Ross like in three or four deep leagues. So I, I'm I, I the talent is there. It's just all the things have to fit. He has to be involved. He has to stay healthy and he has to stay involved when uh, AJ Green comes back. So uh, there's a little bit of worry there. still, I, I would say, but he looks good right now. So run him out there as long as Green is out. Malcolm's going to uh, eat a little bit into Gurley this year. Yeah. Like, is it going to be, it, we always predicted someone was going to do it. I think the majority of people thought it was going to be Daryl Henderson. Looks like it's going to be more Malcolm Brown. I don't know where, I don't think we're going to see this type of vulturing long-term. So that's why I'm just not worried about Gurley right now. Frankly, I would be hitting up Gurley owners to see if I can get some discounts. That's what I would be spending the next couple days doing. Why is CJ Anderson getting 11 carries yeah. when carry on is rushing four plus yards a carry? Uh, laugh my ass off, Steelers and Longhorns. Great. Mm. Uh, also, are you comfortable putting Justin Jackson in the Fox Weekly in bigger league? I don't know what that means. I probably the flex, maybe someone was drinking. The, yeah, maybe the this. flex weekly in bigger leagues. Uh, I'm okay with Justin Jackson moving forward. Eckler had a ton of touches, but I think Jackson will get more, especially if they're winning. I think they should have given. Jackson more carries in that game to kind of grind the clock out at the end instead of letting the Colts come back in. Uh, and this is what the the Lions want to do. They want to run the ball like what the Vikings are doing. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to work. So C.J. Anderson is going to eat into carry on. I'm bummed about the the Lions one. This is like if I, had I warned to, you about that. Uh, no, I know carry you did. I know you did. Zero shares. But if, well, I don't know if I have a share. But if I had to walk out of week one with like a top player, you know, a top valued player that I wasn't concerned because like I'm, I'm concerned about Damian Williams. But if I had to walk out of someone that I was very into that week one has me concerned and I'm legitimately entertaining it, it's Carrion Johnson because CJ Anderson getting 11 carries and them still limiting Carrion Johnson, he's going to have great weeks, but he's just not going to take that next big step. And so that one is a definite for me. Why are they doing it? I don't know. Why is CJ Anderson doing this to everybody? I really don't know. But uh, 11 carries in week one, maybe it's to minimize the workload in the back half of the year for carry on, but I don't feel encouraged about it. So I am, I am worried for sure. All right, there you go. Yeah. That is the ball bag. Good stuff. A uh, good reactionary stuff. Keep that going. Send those in. You have Sunday as we do the episodes on Monday morning now. So send in all your reactions, any waiver stuff that you got, and we will answer those here. It is now time for final thoughts and notes. 
Joe Mixon, we said he had the uh, positive look on his uh, his MRI, so it looks like he's going to be relatively good to go. I don't think we've received word if he will play this week. I would, um, he's day-to-day currently, so there's an opportunity, but Gio, Gio might be a really good um, option to play this week. Your boy Juju, he got his x-rays back after the game on his toe, and it looks like all things are good. Yeah, I should have never been out there anyway, but nope. hopefully he's okay. He's expected to play. We talked about Tyreek Hill, few weeks, no surgery. Tevin Coleman, low ankle sprain. Looks like he's, I predict he's probably going to miss four to six weeks. So um, that's why Mouse Fart's a little bit more valuable. Uh, uh, Brita, easy RB2 at this point, right? Like, who do they have? In, I don't even know who they have in week, uh, in week two. Uh, ye- it's a super Fortnite. Yeah. Yeah, they play. Um, we just had it. Uh, hold on, I'm looking. Roger checking right now. Yeah, I'm looking. Uh, but but it's um, it is the uh, Cincinnati the Bengals. Bengals. Cool. The Bengals. I mean, Breida might be a top five, uh, fifteen running back, top fifteen next next week. Yeah, he he might be. Uh, they they did okay at shutting Carson down. Uh, the the line is like the one good thing the Bengals have. But uh, uh, it should be a fairly high-scoring game. I, I, Brita's good, yeah. So And, and uh, Mostert isn't, but uh, Shanahan likes to mix up all of his guys. So please uh, trade for, Mostert's uh, going to get in there. Melvin Gordon, please trade for him. Yeah, uh, Foles exactly. out for a while. Devin uh, Funches, we didn't talk about this, broke his collarbone, so not so much Funches. R.I.P. Nate. Yeah, R.I.P. Nate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nate, Nate was at it this weekend, I think. I saw <laughs> it didn't look like he, he looked like he had a rough weekend with uh, the Antonio Brown takes. But then, you know. Know, drafting all the good stuff. So that's good. Um, Dontrell Hilliard had a concussion. Will Disley had a concussion. A lot of other concussion stuff that's sitting out. Yeah, the Sterling the Shepard Hilliard also. thing. Uh, yeah, Sterling Shepard in concussion protocol. The Sterling Shepard thing, or the uh, Hilliard thing really was aggravating because he got one carry and it was four score. So he vultured Chubb and then had a concussion and left. Yeah. So uh, terrible. And then we talked terrible. about Darius Geis was probably the biggest one moving in here. So those are any final notes and thoughts. Anything uh, that you want to leave us with? Anything that's on top of your mind that we didn't cover after a week one reaction? Let's go, Camara. Get me out of that last spot in guillotine. I don't want to be first guy gone. I'd also say uh, put yourself in check when you're freaking out. Put yourself in a little bit of a check. Take a breath. Walk away. Come back before you do anything drastic, whether it's put a trade out there, accept a trade, cut a player. Week one, you know, the Todd Gurley stuff, it is what it is, man. You know, like rookies, people freaking out about the rookies after week one. Temper yourselves. You know, David Montgomery, temper yourselves. Devin Singletary, a lot of people could have overreacted if he didn't look at the totality of what he did, even though he didn't have a monster share. He was really good in short periods of time. So I would say don't overreact, even though that is what we do after week one. Calm yourselves. But if you can't, email us at ballbaggingthisleague.com. That's what we will do on Thursday. We are going to have all of your week two coverage. Uh, We will have the repercussions of what happened on waivers. If you have more questions, you can obviously tweet us at Isaac Welsh and at Bogman Sports. But everything coming up in the next episode, your questions, week two, everything. Damn, it feels good that uh, week one is in the books. Outside of Monday Night Football, of course, where I have, I need Noah Fant to not play at all and have one snap so I can beat somebody in a league. And I have a, a pick'em thing that I'm doing with some money on the line for week one that I need Denver and New Orleans to win. If that happens, then Welsh gets to walk away with a couple bucks after week one and in first place. I like that. I like it too. All right. Oh, um, did you get eliminated in a, a, a eliminator thingy? No, I the, picked the Eagles. Didn't look good in the first half, nope. but uh, they came back and won. All so. right, there you go. All no right. elimination. 
Patreon.com slash ITL Army. That's where you guys come check us out. Have fun with us. Uh, Thursday night with Bogman. The group me rooms. My God, the amount of the football room and the start and sit room were absolutely insane uh, in a good way. So if you guys want, come and join us. Still beginning of the month. Lots of football to be had, and we would love to have you. We'll be back with you again on Thursday. Until then, this was the In This League Fantasy Football Podcast, week one edition in the books. We out for you.